Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Everything was dark and I just, I, I dreaded the next day because I thought like, what's the point of living? Like I have no skill, no real skill anymore. I have no red line in my life. It's, it's just hopeless, right? And I believe from my personal experience that confusion is one of the worst things that can happen to us in terms of uh, your outlook in life. Um, the years after that, building up my career, were actually much harder. Uh, I, sometimes I had even more money problems because I wasn't living with my mother anymore. Mm -hmm. But since that day, I created that blog because my friend told me to. And since I had that Wacom tablet and I, too, I drew my shitty little cartoon, right, that if I see today, I just want to punch myself. I want to get into my time machine, travel back and punch myself for creating such a piece of turd, right? But it was so important for me to create something and to push it out to the world and have like people look at it that um, it really gave me that red line. And from that day on, I knew I'm going to use the internet to create a creative career. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Mars, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Well, I just landed my spaceship from planet Mars and it, it's good to be back on Earth. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's weird to even have to introduce you uh, to the audience, but chances are there's probably people who don't know who you are. Uh, you've really, I mean, you've been an integral part of everything that we have done as a brand uh, over the last several years. I mean, you've you know designed movie posters for us. You've designed book covers for me. Uh, your logo is all over our website. Uh, your artwork is, is so distinctive. And... You know, I, I wanted to bring you back because I wanted to get into a part of your story that I was personally very curious about, and I, I figured nobody had ever heard before. Um, I, I want to talk about how you ended up where you're at, you know, really the journey that led you to becoming the artist that you are. So talk to me about what has brought you to where you're at and what you're up to in the world today. Yeah, so uh, I splashed out of my mother's womb. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I tell you the most, um, you know, the most important moment in my life was when I was seven years old. Um, I'm from Germany mm -hmm. and um, I went to the uh, North Sea, which is kind of like our pathetic version of an ocean. 
<laughs> we do. Germany does have an ocean. It's just pathetically small. Anyways, I was on the beach and I was addicted to ice cream, right? Um, I was so addicted, actually, that my parents uh, spelled it out because I was so small. Like, I couldn't understand the word ice if it was spelled out, right? If they talked about me because I was just like, ice where, where? Get my fix on, right? I was like a ice cream junkie. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we were in that supermarket. It was a huge box of ice cream. And like a, a zombie, I was just like waddling toward the box. And then I saw like uh, next to that, like a, a, a stand full of magazines and actually comics. And I had no idea what a comic book was back then. But, you know, it was so colorful. I just like walked over there and I, I saw like an issue and it was four guys with um, some kind of weapon in their hand. And I picked up that strange little thing and I flipped the pages and I was in love. And it turned out to be the first issue, comic book issue of uh, Ghostbusters. And my mother came in, she said like, so have you picked your ice cream? And I said, mom, I don't want ice cream, I want this comic. And she's like, what? No, really, I don't want my ice cream. And she thought I was joking. It was just because I was so addicted to the ice cream, she couldn't realize that I had found a new addiction in my life. That was the comic book, right? And that was pretty much the most important in my life. I'm not kidding. Because from that day on, I started drawing, started writing stories with uh, a a really cool technology called the typewriter. Mm -hmm. And um, I I, I, I love video gaming, right? And I, I, I sketched my stories and I drew them. I drew little pictures and I... I had a game system called the Mega Drive, which I guess in America, well, of course, America was called the Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog, if you ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I played that game, right, a few years later, and I, I thought, you know what, I want to draw really cool comics about this character. And uh, that's pretty much where I uh, started drawing uh, comics, and it evolved ever since. I... I I was working for the school newspaper, was doing cartoons. I was working for a kid's newspaper in my district, in my city, in Berlin. And, uh, you know, my my father, who was also, who's still an artist, helped me just like get my art seen everywhere where I could as in my age, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that love always stayed with me. And when I finished school, I just didn't want to study because I hated school. I hated the system. it's just, you know, the whole idea of someone like talking to you, telling you what you should draw and what you should do. It always felt like slavery to me. So I, I, I traveled the world. I lived in the United States. I lived in Mexico. I lived in Japan, Australia, and of course, Germany. Mm-hmm. And when I came back in my early to mid 20s, I, I had no college education. Right. And I thought, you know what? Crap. Like I've seen the world. It was amazing, great adventures. Uh, but well, what, what do I do now, right? I have no college education. It's really hard to get a proper job in Germany if you don't have any education. And I just didn't want to work for the man. That was just another word for slavery. And it was, I was really frustrated in that uh, um, moment. And it was actually very depressive for that year because uh, I had so much passion and energy inside of me and I just... I just didn't know how to direct it. I had no idea what I was going to do. There were so many options. And um, there's a saying in German, wer die Wahl hat, hat die Qual, which means the more choice you have, the more pain you have. And it was true. And I, I, I moved back to my mother's place because I had no money whatsoever. And it was, uh, I think it was four, uh, 24, 25 maybe. And boy, that was the hardest time of my life. I was 
actually, and I rarely talk about this, but I was actually very suicidal in that year. Mm. Um, I actually went to a, um, uh, like a special, uh, I guess you call it emergency station, uh, because everything, like my whole future outlook was just dark. Um, I just didn't want to think about the future because I had no education and I had no clue what I was doing. It was really, it was choking me every single day. And um, I was wrestling with that. I was just lying in bed until like four o'clock uh, in the e- uh, afternoon. And um, I was just not getting any better, right? I was just pitting myself, blaming myself, uh, victimization, victimization for looks. And then one, fri- from one friend of mine that I've met in high school, uh, like, met up with me and he said, well, why don't you start drawing again? Like you should be, you were so creative back in high school, right? Why, why did you give up on that? And I thought like, yeah, but what should I do with it? Like Germany doesn't really have a creative scene as big as let's say America. And he said, well, uh, you speak really good English. You should, uh, I don't know, have like a website, do it all in English and then just like show your stuff and, and block. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what blocking was about, but I thought, you know what? That sounds pretty good. And um, because I had nothing else to do, I just started creating my website, marsdoring.com. And I had still no idea what I was going to do, but I I thought, you know what? He was right. I should start in English. Just blog about creativity, anything that interested me, and um, uh, uh, show some pictures with it, right? And uh, because I hated the uh, analog process of drawing, because I hated the uh, pencil lat on my skin, it gave me like skin irritation. I bought myself a, a graphic tablet, which enables you to draw directly into your screen. And I fell in love with that the second I got that tablet, right? I was drawing for two days straight. I was really like a maniac again. I was like the maniac back when I was seven years old, standing in that supermarket and uh, drooling over that Ghostbusters comic. And that was pretty much about like five and a half years ago now. And that moment changed my life, man. Mm. And everything I did from that was based on that change, right? And I started blocking, uh, started drawing pictures with that tablet. I just showed that stuff on Twitter, on my blog, and um, I think I used Tumblr as well in that time. And you know what? Uh, I, I created like a little network of like-minded bloggers and creative entrepreneurs. And some person came up to me that I've never talked to before. I think he, I don't know, somewhere from Texas. And he said, hey man, I don't know you, but can you draw me a mascot? And for someone who was still living with his mother who had nothing to do, he's like, uh, just draw your mascot. And he said, yeah, I'm going to give you, I don't know, 150 bucks for it. And I'm like, wow, really? I was so unprofessional, man. It's ridiculous now. I was, I couldn't believe like someone on the other side of the planet was giving me money for doing a uh, digital drawing. Right. And that's the first job I got, uh, in my illustration. And that's when it all started with my illustration career online. Wow. Okay. See, this is why I wanted to bring you back. Cause I knew there were parts of this story I hadn't heard before. Um, let, let's do this. I, I, I want to talk about that ice cream and comic moment <laughs> in more depth. I think you're lucky in that you had that childhood moment when you fell in love with something. I don't know how many people do. And I'm wondering why you think we miss those moments and maybe how we reconnect with what we might've missed. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't remember much of those days, but I remember that day very clearly. Like I I can still picture it very clearly because it was such a vital moment in my life. And 
I don't know if it has to do with your personality, but um, I tend to be more of an introvert. Mm -hmm. And the idea of, uh, I I never had many friends in high school. Uh, I was always a loner, right? The the kind of person who would like get in their room and just draw and talk to imaginary friends. And um, when I picked up that comic book, it just showed me like, there's another world out there, right? Like a, a fiction world that is colorful, that is very exciting, that is so much more exciting than reality. And, um, you know, with that world, if, if, if I can become a part of that world, if I can dive into that world, then uh, I will have a, a kick-ass life, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think, how can you uh, recapture that or remember that? It, it's tough. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I, because I didn't choose that moment, right? I was just aiming straight for the uh, ice cream box. Yeah. And for some reason, that stand was right next to it. And it happened to be more colorful than the package of the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You, it, it's interesting because, you know, you and I have never met in person. And uh, friends who have have told me that, yeah, you don't know that Mars is like a total introvert. And I think one of the things that, that, that really intrigues me about you saying that is when I have had these conversations with you and the way your work comes across, it doesn't seem like somebody who is an introvert would produce such a, a powerful expression of something. And I wonder, you know, one, if you'd be willing to talk more about that. And I guess I'm curious is is it because you you've channeled all that energy into your work or into the art that you create like is that where it goes yes uh i actually watched a very cool documentary about indie developers in north america it's called indie game the movie it's actually quite famous and there was one guy and i could totally relate to him because it's exactly what uh this question is about the interviewer asked him, like, uh, he, you know, this guy lives with his wife in this, uh, I don't know, house somewhere in California. And, and, and the house is very colorful. It has a lot of toys and comic books and stuff like that. And the guy says, you know what? I love humanity. Like, I love people more than anything else. I just can't stand talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> and I could totally relate because that's exactly how I felt over the years. Uh, I really like... Human, I like the idea of uh, what people can ac- accomplish in creativity and entrepreneurship, the whole uh, aspect of it, right? Right. But I have, I can only really connect with them in sort of a dream world that I co-create, right? And it's much harder for me to establish the same connection when I meet them in real life because then I'm always kind of disappointed because obviously in your dream you can rearrange everything you like and you dislike and in reality you just can't and uh, that's why i had to like i there was such a important moment when i watched that movie and i i watched it with a friend and he was like what a dick to that person right but i could totally relate and it's true that all that energy that i have it's really inside of me Mm -hmm. and the best way to bring it out is through my writing and my drawing right and it goes everywhere and it's it's like a very special connection that I just cannot establish in the real world. You know, it's so fascinating to me because I just, I can't even imagine that. I can't fathom that considering how much work you and I have done together in what you call the dream world that we've co-created. I mean, think about how many things you and I have worked on together. And the idea that if we actually had to sit down in person, it would be an awkward conversation. 
that seems impossible to me, but it's bizarre because I have heard this from firsthand from people who have met you in person. They said, yeah, Mars is a total introvert. Yeah. I mean, lock me up, please. <laughs> okay. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I want to talk about this period growing up. Uh, one, I would like to talk about your cultural influences, you know, growing up in East Germany and how that has shaped and created your worldview as a, as a creator, as an illustrator. And also, I mean, you have grown up with two parents who are artists, right? Yes. So talk to me about that, because I would imagine that growing up with creative parents is a very different experience than a lot of creatives have when they start to discover that they are called to do something creative. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, I didn't grow up in East Germany. I grew up in West Berlin. Okay. But my parents, my parents come from East Germany Mm -hmm. and they had that, um, they still had that East German culture. And the main difference, just to explain it, because it has a uh, impact on my childhood, um, East Germany was ruled by the Russians. So it was socialist. And West Germany was very capitalist. It was because it was ruled by the Brits, the French, and the Americans, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my parents, as liberal artists, had one hell of a nightmare in East Germany because uh, in that system, right? You 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 heard of the Berlin Wall, I assume. Yes. If you if you're inside a system that's pretty much a prison where the government controls everything, it's kind of like the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. like. You're really just like like fodder for the government, and they try to keep you down. And anyone who who like diverges from the path, they need to like get pushed back inside. And if you're a creative person, right, you question the system, or you're you're just a little bit different than your run of the mill worker. And my parents had huge problem with that, and they actually um, got over to West Berlin before the the wall fell. Uh, they're still not. It, telling me the entire story, how they did it, I think it, it was such a terrible moment for them because um, they had to do a lot of, um, they had to risk a lot. They risked the entire family, their life to get over the, uh, to sneak into the West so that I could live and grow up and actually get born in the West first, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that life that they had to endure over in the East really shaped the way they um, brought me into adulthood Uh, because they always hated um, control in terms of thought process, right? They always wanted to make sure that I had all the possibilities in the world and that no matter what I wanted to do, right, whether I wanted to like draw comics or draw those kind of stories, they always supported my creative uh, passion and that I had the ability to freely express myself because up to this day, actually, I talked to my mother today, like I can still see the damage that that uh, very um, regime did onto them. Right. The fear of always like being paranoid that, that the state does something to you. Right. And I even though I never I never lived in that system, I can still feel the repercussions from my parents and um, I think it, it, it gave me a, a, a law for anything that had to do with freedom and expressing yourself and trying out a lot of creative things in order to find my, my, my place in the world. You know, it's funny to listen to you tell that story and to know, uh, you know, your art so well, suddenly it all makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. In a way that it never has before, because... <clears throat> I mean, you don't really follow any rules and any guidelines per se. Like you've, you're so distinctive. And when you tell the story the way you just did it, like I look at it and it connects a thousand dots in my head. 
Could be. I mean, I, I really hate bland work and I that's pr probably the reason why everything has to be so colorful and over the top and with all that tattoo writing and all the crazy clothes. Well, because, I think uh, there is actually, now that I see it, and this is probably why you and I get along so well, your art screams with a disregard for authority. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> and it makes all the sense in the world now. It's my Freudian moment. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, well, let, let, let's, let, let's, let's talk about how you developed um, in the early part of your career as an artist, like mm -hmm. how you started to develop, because it sounds like you had some very interesting artistic influences, comics, movies, video games. Talk to me about how you borrowed from those different art forms as you've developed this style. And then we'll, we'll really get into what I want to spend the, gist of the rest of our time talking about. Yeah, um, I mean, I love the internet. And um, like when my friend told me like I should blog in English, I, it, it was just a new world opening up. And um, where I lived, they, they had two comic shops very close and they imported comics from all over the planet, mostly from United States, uh, um, France and uh, Japan. And I was especially in love with Japanese culture. That's why I lived there later on and learned the language and stuff like that. But it's just, I loved American and Japanese pop culture, right? Mm -hmm. And the, um, the illustration and the storytelling was so different because the United States was obviously very Western and the Japanese had a very different drawing style and also a very different storytelling style. And that different mix really um, influenced the way I, I, I draw. And right now, I would, I would say my, my drawing style is not Japanese at all mm -hmm. because I don't have all the big eyes and all those typical manga things. But in terms of the, um, the craziness I often portray and the rule breaking, which I often do, uh, that certainly has influenced the way I, I draw, right? And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of combining different styles and things, right? I think the greatest danger I had in the earliest beginning was that I was only focusing on, on one culture or one style of comic and style, mm. which turns you like into a copycat, right? right. Because you're not, as, you're not as good as the original creator, so everything you do is like a, like a bad copy. But if you like soak up different stuff from different sources, oh boy, can you create something new from that? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you and I share that in common, right? Um, anything I've created really is just connecting dots with other people's genius and talent. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, basically being the connector and the impresario of it. But um, what I'm interested in is how you think other people can start to bring that about in their own work. I guess in, in you know, but for both of us, we call it stealing like an artist. Yeah. I love that book, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um I think it comes down to having a very curious mind and especially having a curious and open mind to things that might seem a little bit strange in the beginning. Um, and what I mean by that is you have a natural tendency to only surround yourself with, with stuff that you like, or that's quite like you, right? If, if you look at your friends, um, you, you tend to surround yourself with people who are in some aspects similar to you, at least not 100% different because of comfort. And the same, I think, is true for the culture that you consume. And a few years ago, I made the conscious effort of actually um, um, getting inspired by things which I'm 
which is out of my comfort, right? I was reading books that I would normally not read. Mm -hmm. I was looking at art styles that I normally wouldn't have any interest in just in order to, to expand my horizon. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of creativity that, um, if you say you just want to be creative or create something new, it just doesn't happen that way, right? I think you have to uh, make a conscious effort to soak as much inspiration from different and opposing sources as much as possible. Let that sink in into your subconsciousness so that you have kind of like a huge passive database of different ideas. Mm -hmm. And that when you actually tell yourself, oh, I want to create this, that you can actually indirectly like leverage from that source that you have uh, accumulated over the years. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then. 
right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Well, I mean, if you if we look at, you know, the compass, which you have basically played a role in, uh, you did the cover as well as your background work is throughout the entire guide. It was connecting ideas from many people over the years, <clears throat> ideas from AJ Leon, ideas from Eric Wall, ideas from you, ideas from Sarah Steenland, and then telling Lauren, Lauren Rains, who's the designer, that this is what we want to do. And you're the one person who knows how to do it. Yeah, I mean, you're you're also pretty good at having like different people working for you and working with you and especially like all the people that you interview like it's such a diverse cast of characters right mm -hmm. anything from a guy who walks through america to someone who's been in prison for most of his life yeah i mean it's just crazy and you know that's something as well i um i actually had a reluctance listening to those people because i thought like do i really want to learn like from what I said, like from a small minded perspective, a criminal, right? But I thought like this person has to share something which can be incredible, right? Uh -huh. And uh, I forget his name. Uh, but I think you had like a couple of people. Um, he was more older, like uh, uh, when he came out and um, he was actually like really changing over the years he was in prison. Oh, he and spent most of his life. It was a guy named Andy Dixon. And I think it was one of the most underrated episodes. We had to split it into two parts because it was a very long story. But yes. it was one of those stories where if you sat and listened to it, and I will link it up in the show notes, it really was mind blowing. I mean, he was like, it was like the real life story of somebody who grew up as a good fella. Yeah. And was, I mean, just the way he talked, you could see like the pain behind his words. Mm. And I, I was drawing actually at the time because I usually draw and have like a podcast in the background. But boy, I had really, I had to slip in some breaks because it was really intense. And um, it, like hearing so many different stories really helps you change the way you think about the world. Mm -hmm. And it hopefully makes you open-minded, which for me is a prerequisite for being a, a, a good creative and i mean a good creative not just a draw like in anything like an entrepreneur any kind of artist right you you have to have an open mind to to in order to have many uh possibilities of which you can create amazing things from mm. so you know I, I really love that you brought up that you had lived in all these places because that's yet another thing i didn't know about you um i'd love for you to talk about how living in all these different cultures uh and then coming back to to you know home to germany also has influenced and shaped uh the way you see the world the way you tell stories and and the way that you do everything that you do yeah i mean um the travel bug bit me very early i think it's my mother's fault she left to travel all the way like we never like, um we, we didn't have a lot of material things we had a small flat we had a crappy toyota car that broke down and bam lost itself um but she spent like the majority of her money on traveling and she always wanted to make sure that i see a lot of different countries and cultures in the world and that passion stayed with me um to my early 20s right and i was just Obviously, I loved America, so I wanted to stay there. Um, there's also like a, a working holi holiday visa, which allows you to work for a, for a year 
uh, within like a, a specific range of countries like Japan, South Korea, Canada and Australia and some other countries. And I wanted to make sure I wanted to use that in order to, as I said, open my mind, get new experiences. And that's why I traveled to like also to Japan and Australia and um, really uh, like drowned almost in that culture to to soak up as as many new experiences as I could. And they were all very different from each other. Mm hmm. You know, it's so. So let's do this. I want to talk about something else that you said, which, um, amazingly enough, I'm I'm very very curious about. I mean, you talked about coming back, uh, having had all these experiences, and then returning to a place where you felt almost, you know, you were feeling suicidal. Yes. Uh, and I guess one, I'm interested in how you navigated that period of your life without losing hope, and how drawing kind of brought you back into the light. Yeah. I mean, like I said before, it was the darkest. It was a year actually of my life um, because I came back and you're still kind of on a high, right? Because you just like travel around the world for a year, for years. I did that. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you meet all those incredible different cultures and there's always something new, something new. And then you're back in Germany and, um, I think it was Einstein who said, like, once your mind expands, it can never go back, right? And even though Berlin is a very liberal city, very cosmopolitan, very open, it's kind of like the German San Francisco, uh, it's still in Germany. And I felt very, um, like, pushed into, like, a corner. And I thought, like, wow, now I'm disconnected from the English-speaking world. I'm back in Germany, right? And it, it feels so small compared to the countries that I've been to. And uh, on top of that, I had no college education and I had no direction what I wanted to do. I, it had to be something creative, but I didn't know what. No, that all comes together. And um, it really struck me down. And it started harmlessly, right? I was just uh, getting used to my normal life in Germany again. But then uh, obviously your mother says, like, what are you going to do now? How are you going to make money? And I said, yeah, let me just like relax and see like what, what's happening, right? But obviously nothing happened because you have to be active. Mm -hmm. And um, it just, I really slowly but surely slipped into the darkness uh, with nothing to do. You just end up like staying in bed just 10 minutes longer than yesterday. And you, you repeat the same pattern for the next day. And before you know it, you sleep until four o'clock and um, you're tired for the rest of the day. And there's like, there's just confusion, confusion all over you. And uh, it, it, it became so worse over the uh, course of like, let's say half a year that I really had to go like to a hospital in terms of like, because I couldn't, like I had no reason to get up. It was just, everything was dark and I just, I, I dreaded the next day because I thought like, what's the point of living? Like I have no skill, no real skill anymore. I have no red line in my life. It's, it's just hopeless, right? And I believe from my personal experience that confusion is one of the worst things that can happen to us in terms of uh, your outlook in life. Um, the years after that, building up my career, were actually much harder uh, sometimes I had even more money problems because I wasn't living with my mother anymore. Mm -hmm. But since that day, I created that blog because my friend told me to. And since I had that Wacom tablet and I, too, I drew my shitty little cartoon, right? That if I see today, I just want to punch myself. I want to get into my time machine, travel back and punch myself for creating such a piece of turd, right? But... <laughs> 
it was so important for me to create something and to push it out to the world and have like people look at it that um, it really gave me that red line. And from that day on, I knew I'm going to use the Internet to create a creative career. And it was still not very um, specific, but it was much more specific than not knowing anything to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And with every passing month where I just tried so many different stuff, I even created like consulting and I showed, uh, I created the mascot and all those different things that I tried out. It just became more clear. And once I knew what I was going to do in my life, right, I, I, I just cut myself off the possibility that I could work for a corporation or any office, right? It was out of the question. I just couldn't function in an, in an environment where someone was over me, breathing their foul breath against my neck, telling me, Moss, that's what you have to do. I'm like, no, shoot me. Mm -hmm. And I blame my mother partly for that because I remember in high school, she said, like, son, you can do whatever you want. But please don't become like a slave, don't work for like a company that would break my heart. Do something that is creative. Don't you want to become an artist? And I'm thinking like, which normal parent would force their son to become <laughs> an artist, right? <laughs> it was ridiculous. But that was normal for me. Only with my friends who came from very stereotypical, I would say middle class houses, right? Mm -hmm. But they had to study, do something that... Be becoming a doctor or a teacher or stuff like that. Uh, only through them did I recognize that, you know what? My parents were actually quite different. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, you know, I, I really, really appreciate that you brought up that piece about confusion because it, it makes me think back to something uh, Jim Bunch said in, in you know, one of the interviews that we did around designing your environment for optimal, perform optimal performance and creativity. Mm. He said that if you can't see any vision for your future, that is one of the darkest places. Oh, yes, that you could be. It's because um, because even if you even if times go very hard, uh, two or three years ago, I had another really bad moment because I, I wasn't having any business whatsoever. And there were some, um, uh, uh, let's say, some problems within the family. Uh, it was from uh, like looking from a statistic, it was actually worse than the year of confusion. But I wasn't depressed at all. I wasn't even feeling bad. I was just like um, thinking how I could optimize it, right? Which was really strange. But this feeling of hopelessness that I experienced in my um, 24th year or 25th, it just never came back, no matter how hard life became, because I always had that red line. It's like, really, I hate it because it's stereotypical. But that line at the end of the tunnel, like you just know where you have to go. It's just, okay, you have uh, some problem here, some challenge here, but still, you still know who you are and what you want to become. And so it doesn't affect you as emotionally anymore. And uh, a lot of people that I talk to, even like the students from my mother, because she's also like a university art teacher mm -hmm. um, occasionally. And uh, like you look at them and you see really like, the number one problem is confusion. Like they don't know if they have a chance to work with their creativity. They don't know where to go, what to do. Should they work freelance? Should they work for a company? And they're really depressed. And I understand them. And I think it's one of the worst places in uh, the first world, I want to say, right? Obviously, there's hunger and different stuff. But yeah, it's just the darkness, not, not knowing where you should go. Mm. So I, I want to ask you one other question uh, around this, and then we'll kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, 
you've experienced two sort of falling in love moments in your life. One was yeah. with the comic books uh, and, and the ice cream. And the other was when you got that tablet in your hands. Yes. I'm wondering if we haven't experienced those kinds of moments, can we bring them about in some way? You know, I'm a huge fan of the unconsciousness. And I believe that um, if you if you wait, like if you, if you want to see like a special moment happening or something that could actually impact your life in a meaningful way, that it will definitely happen if you just focus on that and then forget about it almost. And it, then your subconsciousness will direct you towards it. I truly believe that uh, some people might not. Um, I really believe it, it, it comes down to the focus you have. Like if you ask yourself a specific question, um, like how can I reach this person or how can I find like a direction in my life? And you keep asking yourself that question, right? So much that it becomes almost like a part of your consciousness that it, 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 it will be passive in a way. It will lurk in the background and your brain or whatever it is will guide you through it sooner or later. It always worked for me that way. Whenever I thought like, how am I going to support, how, how am I going to find the next client? Or how can I make money with that kind of style? Whenever I asked myself that question, the answer always came. Like I met some person, someone approached me online or my friend told me about that tool, whatever it was, right? It's like, it's really like, just ask yourself that question. Constantly ask yourself that question till it becomes part of your consciousness, and then uh, you will you will find that opportunity. Hmm. All right, Bars. Well, let's shift gears and let's talk about something that I've been very, very intrigued by, and, and something that I've wanted to talk to you about for a long time. Um, no, 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 we're not going to talk about my naked pictures. You know, I mean, I didn't even know you had naked pictures, but now that you've mentioned them, I'll make sure to include a link in the show notes for anybody who's interested. I don't want to see them, but, you know, if you want to send a link, we'll, we'll include it. For 99 uh, click per view. Well, it's pretty clear porn is the you know, biggest moneymaker <laughs> on the Internet. So maybe both of us should stop doing that and, you know, doing what we're doing and do that instead. Not anymore, Srini. The yeah. internet has destroyed I don't know. Any, I don't know anybody who's willing to pay for that. At least not for me. <laughs> Let's finish this interview. You have insulted me. <laughs> so what I want to talk about is the fact that you have such a distinctive style. In fact, you know, the, the whole idea of unmistakable came from you. It really did. I mean, you were the person who planted that seed in my head when I think we had our second chat about brands. And... What always blew my mind about the work that you do is that anytime we shared it, anytime we saw a picture of it on the internet, anytime I saw it, anything you did for another client, there was no question as to who did it. You wouldn't even have to put your signature on it. Everybody could look at it and say, that's a Mars Dorian. I think that is one of the most significant achievements any creative professional could have in their life. And I'm wondering how you've done that. Well, it's very easy. <laughs> um, I mean, like I told you, when I first drew that first picture with my graphic tablet, I mean, you wouldn't recognize it. It looks like some run of the mill cartoon for, I don't know, a college paper, I guess. Um, 
it's really a this is something that a lot of people don't understand they think like you just draw and then you have your style and that's it mm -hmm. like they don't it's it's always right it's that overnight success uh, idea um they don't see you slaving in the dark for years without anyone knowing about you and that style changed so much over the past five years and it, i would say with each passing year it becomes more and more story and because it's uh like my true self is flowing more and more into that but it starts very simple right it starts with you just drawing something and then you're thinking you know what it's okay but i don't know something is missing and then you watch someone else and you see a picture of someone with a tattoo that is some kind of saying and that it looks really cool the way it's embedded into the skin and you think you know what that's pretty cool like i would never have that on my original skin but oh boy would it look crass if i had it on a character right if the tagline or something that defines the character is depicted as a tattoo on their skin or even on their clothes, like tattoos on their clothes. Like, and I thought that was just such a cool idea. And then I, I incorporated that into my artwork, right? Mm -hmm. And then I took it to the next level. I thought, you know, I, I, I've been a huge fan of Seth Godin. Uh, you have interviewed him as well, right? A couple of times. Yep. And even he says, like, if you do something, like, do it over the top, like make it more extreme. Like don't, don't, don't be a moderate version of it. And I thought, you know, it would be really cool if you, if someone had like a tweet and it would be part of a facial tattoo. So I have like, um, on some characters, I have a hashtag together with a tweet that defines the character embedded around like their eyes, like a tattoo and even on their fingers or even have like the, um, clothes because a lot of people who are, very um interested in clothing they pick clothes that uh depict a certain kind of character right and i thought wouldn't it be cool if the clothes would be so unique and original they actually melted into the body so a lot of characters wear clothes that looks like like you don't know where the skin and the clothes begin because it seems to be like an entire like a, a, an organism altogether, right mm. and those are all ideas and concepts that develop over the over a month or even years and you just refine that process and you stop holding back, right? Uh, in the beginning, you're always afraid. You think like you cannot do this or you shouldn't do this because no one else does it the way you do it. And there's all this fear inside of your head, right? Seth Godin calls it the lizard brain. Mm. And I think the more you get used to your, in my case, my illustration or my, my writing, the more you get used to that, the more you open up and the more um, you get accustomed to just flowing in your personality to everything you do until it becomes not a conscious effort, but a necessity. <laughs> wow. I love that. Uh, that, you know, and that's funny. I, I love that you're talking about not holding back, uh, which makes me want to talk about something you actually wrote today and, and to, to kind of, you know, talk about the next edge that you were willing to push you decided to start writing and you started decided to start writing fiction. And it's been really interesting to watch. I don't know a ton about your fiction. I will ad admittedly say I haven't read uh, any of your fiction books, but I thought it was such a fascinating sort of divergence into a whole different art form. And I'd love for you to talk to us about that. Yeah, well, actually, um, remember when I talked about that wonderful Dragon Age technology called the typewriter? Uh-huh. When I was a kid, I, um, I think it was like eight or nine years old, pretty much a few years after my Ghostbuster comic discovery, I, I, I started typing 
my dreams and stories. And the funny thing is, two meters next to me, I still have the folder with all the stories. It's crazy, man. It's about a dolphin uh, saving the oceans from an alien race using like a sonar laser beam that comes, I don't know, from its peak or whatever. I remember, like, I, I read those stories and I think like, what kind of illegal substance was I smoking in that age, right? Coming up with those stories, but it was just natural interest in video gaming. And I think there was like a game that had to do with a dolphin. So I kind of copied that and made it my own. Anyways, I always loved storytelling. And one aspect that I always miss about illustration is that it's still cool and I love it, but the, I think like a really well unique story has a more compelling effect on a reader or a customer than a picture. Now, some people would disagree with that, but I've never seen a picture which changed the way I think about life. It, it has changed the way I draw, but it hasn't changed the way I think about life. But a really compelling story with a writing style that is just like, wow, it gets under my skin. It really changed the way I, I, I see the world for the better. And I thought like, you know what? I, I always loved uh, writing. Uh, I just decided to self-publish on Amazon, right? And in the future, I'm actually focusing on illustrating the books. I obviously make all the covers for my books, but in the future, I want to incorporate my illustration, having like books with at least 20 to 30 illustrations in them and creating a, a, a whole new experience. Wow. That is really, really cool. Uh, I love this. I mean, this is, it's such a, a, a cool way to really get into your head in, in a way that I've never been able to before. Uh, it, it's, it's just, like I said, I, I love watching your, you at work. Every time I get to work with you, it's one of my favorite things. I mean, one of the best things I've loved about Unmistakable Creative is having, you know, the opportunity to work with you and Sarah to, to see what you guys will come up with. It's always, I trust what you'll come up with. And of course, you know, we have our back and forths. Like, you know, when you, we teach you how to draw women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. I have to admit, that was about, I don't know, like one year ago. Uh, I think after the uh, fifth or sixth iteration, yeah, I was ready to punch my iMac with my face. <laughs> Dude. And you know what? That was a hands down some of the best work you've ever done. <laughs> Oh, man, I know you told me that after that, and I, I, I still felt the pain of my iMac on my forehead. <laughs> well, Mars, uh, this has been absolutely fascinating. Uh, like I said, a look into your journey and your story that uh, even I didn't know a lot about and uh, really was eager to, to have a conversation about. So you know how this is going to end. What do you think uh -oh. it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Yeah, Um I used to have different answers over the uh, past years, I would say, but um, I've always believed that it came down to, to, to adding on, on top of your personality, adding something, but I, I realized that it, it's more about hacking away the unessential. I think the source of your uniqueness is really in, inside of you, but society uh, your adolescence, like everything around you has pretty much like limited that potential, right? Because you had to adapt, you had to conform to the current uh, uh, surrounding. And uh, I've learned that being unmistakable means like breaking down every single barrier within your, with, within your head, right? And truly unleashing 
that boundless originality that resides within you. And that's what I've been trying for the last five years, just cutting one wall after another till only my essence exists. Mm, I love it. Well, Mars, uh, it has been my absolute pleasure to bring you back uh, to the unmistakable creative uh, <laughs> where your face is all over everything. <laughs> uh, I can't thank you enough for, for you know, telling this part of your story and you know, going to places that you've never gone before. Well, first of all, thanks again for having this interview. I was actually very afraid of having this interview with you because I've realized your new um, conversation style and I thought, holy crap, like, do I really have to say so much that uh, it will still be interesting? But I really like the way you interview people. It, it, like, it's so easy to open up with you, which is a rare skill. I think you're some kind of, I don't know, hidden Jedi or something. <laughs> Well, I think that that makes a beautiful way to wrap up the conversation. Uh, again, thank you so much. And uh, for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator, 
that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.